Hello there, and thanks for joining me in the podcast today. We're going to talk about abortion and uh, children, boys and girls. What's going on in our society today? We are living in a perverse society. We have a society that has changed over the last um, several years, probably brewing for quite a long time, but in the last few years, it's all come to surface. So let's take a look at some of the trends and some of the issues and patterns that are taking place in our world today regarding this issue of family and children and boys and girls and women and men and so on. You know, if you go back into history, the Marxist philosophy of communism was a battle for the mind of the child. The famous phrase is, give me your children and I will own you as a country. The issue was getting a child educated in a certain frame of mind, in a certain way of thinking, and then that child is owned. That child will work for the perpetrator of that particular philosophy, in this case, Marxism. So that's history. Today we have a different emphasis. We have a different battle going on. It's not the mind of the child. It's not the skills and abilities and talents and intellect of the child. That's not what is being battled today. What is being battled is the sexuality of the child, the genitalia of a child, the sexual interest of a child, the sexual curiosity of a child, the sexual mindset of it. That's the battle. And we have a group of people who are not necessarily Marxist, by the way, but they might as well be. We have a group of people and a group of organizations and so on that are promoting this point of view. Give me your child sexually, and I will own that child, and I will own you, and we'll have no more family. And we'll take away the family, and the child will be a child of the state. That's the issue before us today. So this whole issue of abortion and um, whether you know what a man is or what a woman is, or what a family is, and the way families function, it becomes kind of all part of the mix of give me your child sexually, and somehow or other, I will own you, and I will own your country, and it will be kind of a sexualized world in which one lives. Now, the interesting thing to me is this, is that when you teach a child a skill, or a particular attitude, or a particular philosophy, or a particular intellectual point of view, you expect the child to live that way. You expect the child to incorporate that point of view and those skills in life, in his life patterns. In other words, you expect him to act on it, right? Is that what's going on in the educational system today? We want to teach children in grades 1, 2, and 3 about sexuality. Therefore, we must be promoting sexual behavior among 1, 2, and 3 grade level children. It just naturally follows. Why would you teach somebody sexuality at grade three and not expect them to experiment with it and act on it and live a sexual life? So we want to take sexuality away from the adult and move it down into the elementary school level and then promote it throughout the entire school system. That's what the philosophy is today. And that's the progressive point of view. Not a Marxist point of view. It's a progressive point of view. And the difference between a progressive and a Marxist is not very great. They're pretty similar in a lot of ways, in their philosophical position. So, let's take a look at some of the issues that are taking place in our world today. And um, you may not be aware of all these. You may be aware of some of them. But let me just do a little potpourri here a little bit and give you some uh, emphasis on what's going on in our world in regard to this issue of abortion and child sexuality and adult sexuality and life and boys and girls and men and women and so on. In Memphis... Tennessee. 
There is a Center for Reproductive Health called Choices. Now, that's an abortion clinic, okay? That's what that is. And for some reason, recently, they have property to the side of their building, which they turned into a playground. What they have now is an abortion clinic with a playground for children and families. What an oxymoron. What a um, juxtaposition point of view. Why would an abortion clinic want to end the life of a child before that child sees the light of day, but yet have a clinic with a playground for children and families to play in while mother's getting her abortion? I, I don't understand it, but maybe it's a way of presenting a false front, presenting a positive front, so they'll look like the clinic is more inviting and it will attract more women to come and have an abortion. Maybe that's really what this is all about. It's a ruse. You know, it's a, it's a false front. So that's one issue taking place in our world today regarding, you know, abortion. Here's another issue regarding abortion. I always wondered what is the role of the boyfriend or the husband or the father of a child that is being aborted? Do boys or the young men have a voice? Do abortion clinics encourage him to come to the sessions and help in the process of make a decision as to whether the girl should have an abortion or not? Men are generally left out. Something like 2,500 abortions happen every single day in America, and men are nowhere to be found. So what's going on here? Where are the men? Are they timid? Do they not want to be involved? Are they avoiding? Are they de in denial? Or are they purposely excluded? That's kind of the issue, I guess. But a study was done of a thousand polled men and women in a partnership that ended in pregnancy. And it was found that 42% of the decisions made about abortion, the father played a major role in that decision, sometimes suggesting the abortion. But the father played a major role in that decision. So why do not abortion clinics require the father to be present? The child in question that is being aborted is a result of a sexual act in intervention between a man and a woman, a boy and a girl. Now, where is the boy? Where is the man at the time of decision as to what's going to happen to that child? In that study, 38% of the men admitted that they were the primary influence on the decision. In other words, they played a major role in the girl's decision to abort. And it was interesting that only 4% of the decisions made by a girl to abort, 38% was due to her boyfriend, but 4% was due to the influence of the abortion clinic. So the abortion clinic really doesn't play a major role in making, in making that decision. They play the major role in carrying out a decision. But the decision is made by the girl, made by the boy, and often made before they show up at the clinic. So abortion clinics... Pregnancy care centers, care pregnancy prevention centers need, must involve the father of a baby, of a fetus, of a child, of a mother in pregnancy. He needs to be involved. He needs to be educated. He needs to have his voice heard. He needs to have his, his say as to what's going to happen to his child. It's not a mother's decision. That's a lie. You hear that all across the country, all across the television. It's a mother's choice. It's a mother's decision. That's a lie. That child is a result of the boy or a man interacting with a girl or a woman in a sexual behavior, creating the life of a child and eventually the birth of a child or the abortion of a child. And that is a lie to think that it's the mother's choice 
Don't believe that lie. This is not mother's choice. This is a couple's choice. And when you see the research showing that 42% of the decisions are made as the influence of the father, that shows that he really does play a role. And he really is involved and needs to be involved and wants to be involved. So stop the lie. This is not a mother's behavior, not a mother's decision, not a mother's medical problem. It's just as much a problem and an issue and a decision to be made by the boy or the man involved in creating that pregnancy. Now, let's take another research study, which is an interesting one. This goes down to Florida, and you've probably been hearing a little bit about that in the news lately, where the governor came up with a code and a law indicating that school teachers and schools cannot teach children in grades one, two, and three about sexuality and uh, issues of uh, sexual behavior. The whole world has gone up in arms. How could a governor say that? How can a state take that particular stance? Well, what he's trying to do is to protect the young child from the abuse of sexualized adults, over-sexualized adults, who often sit on school boards, sit on city uh, councils, and are governors of cities and states, and mayors of cities, and governors of states, and so on. All these people that want to have their voice about children's sexuality. They want children to be sexualized. That's what they all want. And here's a governor, Governor Sanchez in in Florida, stands up and says, you're not going to teach our kids sexual behavior, sexual activity, sexual attitudes, sexual values in grades 1, 2, and 3. Now, I don't know why he stopped at grades 1, 2, and 3, and I don't know if he has a plan to go on to grades 4, 5, and 6 or whatever, but that's a start. But he's taking a lot of heat for that particular position. Keep your eye on Florida when it comes to this particular issue. Can a state limit the educational topics that take place in the early grades of a school? Can a state block certain topics from being taught? That's the question. To a large degree, if you live in Florida, you may have to vote on that at some point in time. Now, here's another issue that uh, is important in the same way about adoption. You know, we always say that if you don't want to have an abortion, have the child and put the child up for, I mean, up for adoption. Put the child up for adoption. Adoption is a good alternative. It's a very wise alternative. There are a lot of couples out there in America and in other worlds. There are a lot of couples out there who are willing and waiting and wanting a child and would adopt a child at moments notice if they could, if one if a child became available. So you have an adoption agency in the East Coast. I think it was Massachusetts, known as Bethany. And then you have an adoption agency in Michigan. It's a Catholic adoption agency. St. Vincent's. And the state came after both of them and said, look it, we're going to fine you every day if you don't adopt a child to a home of a gay couple or to a transgender couple. And what happened is that the Bethany home or the Bethany Adoption Agency in uh, the East Coast, Massachusetts, I think, folded and said that they would do so. And they had certain stipulations, but they basically went along with the demand. And they are no longer basically a Christian adoption agency as they were before because they now recognize gay couples and allow adoptions to take place with gay couples. On the other hand, the Catholic adoption agency in Michigan, St. Vincent's, opposed that and stood up to it and said, no, we're not going to do that. And they took it to the Supreme Court. And now they just came out with a win. The United States Supreme Court brought the matter to its conclusion. And they don't have to put a child into a gay couple home or to a transgender home. They don't have to do that anymore. And the agency was reimbursed something like 500000 to $600,000 for their legal expenses. 
to take this to the Supreme Court. So why did the Catholic agency stand up and actually eventually win the case? And why did the Protestant agency fold? Good question. I don't know, but that's what happened. It's unfortunate, but that's kind of the way it is in our world, you know, today. So watch this whole issue of the post-Roe generation. Watch this whole thing unfold here in the next six months regarding the Roe versus Wade issue and the abortion issue as it comes out of the Supreme Court in the near future. And there's a group of our organ there's a group of students that are organized around the title of Students for Life. And it's a major organization doing excellent work on college campuses. In fact, they have 127,000 trained advocates since 2006 to be on campuses and universities to hold conversations and to advocate for life. They have had something like just since 2001, I'm part of my 2021, something like 100, I mean, 1. million online conversations with students on this particular topic. 1.2 million online conversations since 2021, just on this topic of abortion. Students want to talk about it. Students want information. Students want to inquire. Students want to talk to somebody who knows, who's educated, and who's wise. They're eager to learn, and the Students for Life is there to do that. They also found that in abortion decision-making, 25% abortion-minded mothers change and choose life. And students are kicking in the bucks. Almost $75,000 have been raised just in the year 2020 to advance the cause and the mission of Students for Life. So students are kicking in. Students are interested. Students are rising up and paying attention to what's going on in this world regarding life and regarding the issue of abortion. So you should be the way. You should do the same thing. You should be the same thing. Get out there and learn about this issue of abortion. Get out there and advocate for life. Get out there and make changes and help people come to terms with this issue in life. We can't go down the route that would have, or that will, turn our children into robots of sexual behavior. That's what this is all about. The progressive teachers, teachers association, school boards, mayors, city councils, and so on are showing a great deal of interest and a great deal of favor to getting children to be sexually active by grade three. You know, that's eight years old. So be, be wise to this. Be alert to this. And you get in there and stop it if you can. But it's like a tank going through town. It's going to be hard to stop because it's got its momentum going. And because we did nothing over the years, this has come to be what our world is today. Well, anyway, thanks for joining me. Um, Certainly, I'd like you to go to my website, www.booksbyhedberg.com. Pick up the book, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent. The value of children and the importance of children and how to raise children and how to do it properly is identified in that book. So, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent is the name of the book, www.booksbyhedberg.com. To refine it, get it on Amazon. Get it on Barnes & Noble. Good to talk and bye for now. Mm-hmm.